Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange with Leander Young, where we dig into conversations with seasoned musicians to discuss their life, art, and the faith of jazz as they see it. In this episode, we interview a composer, professor, and trombonist from Chicago, John Yao. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Improv Exchange. Today, we have John Yao with us today, trombone player. Sir, thank you for joining us. Please introduce Thanks yourself to the me. people. <laughs> nice to meet you all. Yeah, I'm coming to you from uh, from New York City in my studio slash son's bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it works. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah. It's New York. That's what it is. <laughs> uh before we start, just one quick question, off topic. Did you ever play with James Lewis? I have not. What is uh, James player? Lewis? Because no, every time, at least on social media, when he po- shows up, you show up. Really? Yes. That's why I was curious. I don't think so. Okay. That answers that question. I have so. to think about it. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we're destined to play together now. <laughs> social media is weird to me. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And you have a new album out. I enjoyed it. I'm actually, thank thank your label for even sending it to me. It's just one question for you. Why wasn't it like another big band thing or another one of your quintet albums? Uh, Well, I kind of wanted to to continue with the three horn cordless group. Mm -hmm. And uh, and actually the first album was the, uh, so I did the two Triceratops albums back to back. So the first album, How We Do, was the first day, and then Off Kilter is the second day. Literally, and the music okay. a little bit different um, from from album to album. There's one different. The bass player is um, instead of Peter Brenler for the first album. Now it's Robert Sabin, and uh, and so yeah, the music's a little more more involved, a little more intricate um, writing, and on this album, and you know, but then more freedom for for improvisation yeah it was uh, but i do have some big band stuff in the works for sure it's uh it's also a budgetary thing <laughs> now i feel you on that it's yeah especially streaming i know it hurts people's yeah. profits i get that and Definitely. rob is actually a former teacher of mine so people oh, out really? there, yeah he's a person i could talk a lot of wow. garbage about. he's a riot <laughs> yeah oh my god yeah i love so him then. so yeah <laughs> yeah he's the best I, he's one of my favorite players i mean Peter's a great player too. They're just different. You know, they bring different, different things to the well table. Said. And uh and so yeah, I was really happy to get a chance to work with him on this one. And and he's uh he plays in the big band. He's just um yeah, he's a great musician and he's also just a like hilarious person, makes it fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And how did you know him or meet him? Uh I met him from teaching at a music camp like wow, what, ten years ago up in Oneonta, it was a New York summer music festival. And I filled in for someone that was, um, it was like six weeks and someone didn't, wasn't able to do the whole time. So I did the first two week session and uh, yeah, I liked him right away. We got, he was, the, he was the head of the department, jazz department at that music camp. And so um, and I spent a lot of time with him and the other faculty and, and uh, yeah, we just hit it off and I always loved his playing. He was a great guy and great musician, great educator, like an outstanding educator. So a lot of, lot of, uh, brings a lot to the table. Mm-hmm. And another thing I need to ask is, I didn't really know Malloy had a music program. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It's it's pretty more well known for uh, nursing, right? Well, I mean, for nursing, and then the thing that's starting to take off is music therapy. They have a pretty big music therapy program, and it's starting to get much bigger now, um, which is great. And so I get a lot of students in the music therapy program, you know, for for a few semesters before they have to go start doing clinic and stuff like that where they're, they're off campus all the time. So, um, but yeah, the program is, is um, it's growing, you know, they have really nice facilities and definitely the, the pandemic, just like all colleges didn't really help <laughs> the music department in any way and had a big effect on it, but I think it's starting to come back. It's, it's, you know, slow. It seems like that for a lot of the schools that I'm at, it's like just a slow process to build people back up because, because uh, everything just got turned upside down. <laughs> Understood. Okay. And back to the album. Just a other sure. thing I wish to know about. So your track Unfiltered. What was your mindset <laughs> behind writing that one? Because that was my my favorite one. Oh, really? Yes. Great. Thank you. Uh that one I, I just wanted to have a kind of floating, rolling kind of ballad feel that but without a steady tempo. Um it's very the the tempo and the beat is very um, rubato and at the kind of the discretion of whoever is playing the melody. So I, um, I liked that idea of having this sort of ebb and flow with the time instead of just a steady, steady beat. And, uh, and then, you know, some of the chords and the harmonies are just stuff I came up with on piano and just trying to find something. Um, I don't know. That sounds clean i guess that was kind of the idea even though it's called unfiltered i don't know that I, there was no thought put in that title just really okay. just to be clear <laughs> no i liked it <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with music repeat. but yeah it's definitely trying to write something that was like you know a ballad but not your typical ballad okay and you did yeah. mention that you have another big band project in the works to me before we started sure yes yeah i've got a couple gigs coming up we're gonna play um at Birdland in August, August fourteenth, and it's uh it's a the month of Charlie Parker, so we're gonna play all the music of Charlie Parker. So I have to write a bunch of arrangements for that. So I have some some homework over the summer, <laughs> and uh, and then we're playing back again with the big band, the Culture Lab, on in September eighth, and that'll be all with original music and maybe some stuff from the Bird program. We'll see, but that'll be. I'm looking forward to those two work, those two gigs coming up and preparing the music for that and and getting ready for that. And we had a great time playing Culture Lab for the uh, the, the CD release show uh, a few few weeks ago. That was a, a blast. I mean, the, and the, this music is the off kilter is, you know. So I guess I just kind of realized after a while playing it again and getting more in touch with it because you know it had been so long with the pandemic and everything to to get the band playing, much less rehearsing. And uh, and we, I just really was had a great time playing music and I'm really excited to like continue playing this music and, and getting to deeper into it. Cause there's so much, I feel like there's a lot of room there to grow with it and, and explore. And, um, so I'm very excited about that with off kilter and, and, you know, bringing music from how we do in there also. Okay. Is it going to be a 17 piece big band like your other stuff? Yes. Okay. Yeah. It'll be a 17 piece big band, um, for, for both shows. And anyone you're willing to name drop that's going to be in the band? <laughs> I mean, uh, I know who I'm going to try to get. I haven't, haven't had a chance to solidify everybody uh, yet. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. But I know I'm pretty sure I'm going to, I know I'm going to try to get Billy Drews. He's played with the big band a bunch. Um, 
Robert Saban, of course. Um, I've been used having Andy Watson play drums, which has been excellent. He's a, he's a yeah, he's amazing. Uh, and uh, and then of course um, been having uh, Nick Marchione play lead trumpet. He's a from the Vanguard band and Scott Wenholt, also from the band Vanguard band. Um, Max Seigel on bass trombone. Um, probably Randy, hopefully Randy Ingram on piano. These are people I'm, you know, hoping to grab. And but it's such a it's a process like trying to. I can never get the same 17 people. I'm just, you know, but luckily I'm in New York City and there's just amazing musicians like everywhere and people are, you know, super professional and great players and they bring, everyone brings their own stuff to the table. So, you know, I consider myself lucky to be here. Are you originally from New York? Because you keep saying you're No, I'm originally from Chicago. I grew outside in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, and I, um, after college, I moved back to Chicago for five years. I went on the road for a year um, with the Glenn Miller Band, Glenn Miller Orchestra, and then I moved back to Chicago for for five years, and then I came to to Queens College to do a master's, and then I just you know that was in 2005. Wow! So I've been here ever since. So okay, <laughs> yeah. So how is it growing up in Chicago, here and there, jazz scene, then coming here? Yeah, that was good. That was good. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not the same. You can't really compare with them. What I mean, did you like? Or what, what threw you off? I think, uh, I mean, like growing up there and hearing it, and then being a part of it is, are two different things. Um, you know, I, growing up, it was great to have it there and see all these great musicians who come into town. There's a lot of great local players, amazing local players, um, and I think, uh, you know, after being there for a while, I just, I, I. I, I moved to New York because I knew I wanted to to gain some more skills, and I felt like if I it wasn't going to get those skills in Chicago, or definitely going through school was was the point. And I think also was just to be surrounded by players that were better than me, and and there are tons of players better than me in Chicago, but the volume of better players in New York is just bigger because New York's just bigger. It's just a you know it's a numbers thing, so. Um, and I had a lot of friends out here from college, or, you know, so I kind of knew what it was like out here, and I knew that there was a lot of big bands playing and um, a lot of great writers, and, and so that's why I came out here is to, to do to explore that because um, I know in Chicago, like if I were to try to get the same caliber band I have here, I would there's you know I wouldn't be possible. It would be out of my budget, you know. Um, whereas New York, like the the, the playing field's a lot more level because everyone just wants to play and people are you know, um, constantly coming in and out of town, like newer, new students and younger players are just like great players and want to just play to play. And then you're not worried about necessarily going to, if it's going to result in a gig or, you know, um, being compensated just for rehearsals. So that's something that's unique to New York. And, and, you know, there's that happening in many cities, but maybe not on the same scale. You know, definitely in LA, I know there's like rehearsal bands, but there's not really much of a rehearsal big band scene in Chicago. You know, there's college bands, but there's, you know, at least the time that I was there, I never experienced it. And, you know, maybe I missed it, but, um, but I, you know, I did a lot of that as a player in, in New York. And then, um, you know, after doing it for a while, I started to write my own music and just started to, uh, you know, become the, the conductor and not so much the, the performer of the band. And, you know, it's a whole nother 
satisfaction coming from that too. So how so. did that? How, how did that come about? Uh, it came through school, through college, uh, through Queens College, um, and I, you know, I did a recital and did a couple big band charts, and then, you know, had my uh, mentor Luis Bonilla, who's great, um, was one of my teachers and great, great friend of mine still. He uh, commissioned me to write a couple arrangements of his for um, for big band because he was going to be doing some college uh, clinics and stuff. And he just told me, like, write it as if you're writing for the Vanguard band. And he knew I've been listening to the band a lot and coming down and hanging. And um, so I did. And and uh, and then I did a rehearsal with those charts. Um, he was there, I think, uh, for that rehearsal where he read through those charts. And I just remember feeling like, wow like this it was a whole nother like all the like the hair in my arm was like standing up and i felt like i was like my whole body was like buzzing for a couple of days like you know i was just so like the the experience of you know listening to it on the computer and the piano and imagining what it's going to be was just like not even close to what it was like to hear it played live and by such great musicians and it just felt so great. And I was like, Oh, I, I want to feel that feeling again. And it's still same thing now. It's like, you just want to like hear that, you know, you see this thing start from the beginning and, you know, it grows into this bigger thing and then it gets played and, you know, it always exceeds your expectation. And it's a great, great feeling. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Here in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah sorry it's just it's one of those things i like it's really exciting i remember just feeling like oh my god i gotta do that again like <laughs> that was amazing it's like you know when you take a solo and it goes great you know it's yes. like you, you improvise a solo and that doesn't always happen you know it doesn't always happen when you write something too of course but like sometimes you take a great solo and and then you know and then it's gone and you never hear it again and at least with the with the big bands like oh, i can hear that again and i can relive that again i would record it and you know, um, you know, composing, as you know, is just so much like improvisation. It's just, it's just the difference is you can, you know, have a lot more control over certain things and how it gets repeated and how the performance of it happens. It's, you know, it's a lot of it's predetermined. And then of course you have moments of freedom with improvisation mixed in. Um, and that's a lot like LF Kilter too. It's like, I kind of took that same approach off kilter of, of writing very like um intricate you know moments for the horns and the, the ensemble and then leaving all this freedom for everyone to kind of um explore on their own with you know no chords or no form or very little you know very little information or something very small to kind of play around with and it always ended up becoming something way better than i could have ever imagined or ever written you know yeah and the one thing I must say about that is, like, at least from the albums I heard of yours, they were pretty much all, all original. So when you actually yeah. do the Parker one and you actually have a bass on it, am I going to expect that much more from you? Because it's the <laughs> highest. Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> with the, you mean with the, the Charlie Parker music? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I, I want to stay true to it. I don't want to go crazy, too crazy on it. Because it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's a celebration of music and, you know, I, I you know, so I'm trying to find this middle ground of like, I don't want to just go in there and play the, you know, write some simple head charts and then we just kind of play and it, everyone sounds like the song always sounds like. And, you know, maybe that's what some people come to see. 
uh, and that's great. But I want to give them a taste of that, and then I also want to give them a taste of some some new spins and some new, you know, moments or new twists on on his music. So, you know, I've, I don't want to go too far out of that zone. So I'm trying to find the middle with it, you know. Okay, which when is, you say too far, thing. what do you mean by that? How much modern are you talking about? You're going to talk about? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I okay. guess that's. I mean, the music's not done, obviously. So we'll see. But I I, I don't know if I will go as far as off kilter <laughs> uh as far as some of this charlie parker music maybe but i don't i know i don't know if i see that happening um you know i, I have to like you know i try to think of the venue and the, the audience and the music and what seems to be um a good fit you know um and you know so if, if i keep those things in mind then I, I feel like i'll stay try to find that middle zone where you know, people can recognize the music and it's they know it and they're familiar with it and it's um but it's also being taken to a new place okay that's the hope i understand i understand <laughs> it's a lot of pressure <laughs> just a little especially on his birthday mm-hmm. of a legend i know in birdland right yeah i know right <laughs> i know exactly that's why i don't want to like totally destroy his music and feel like you can never play here again what you do to his music you know? yeah that would be bad <laughs> So that's why I'm like, I can't go too far off of this. So, okay. but it's nice to know the, the, the boundaries, you know? Yes. Okay. So has playing with Mr. Orfero or one of my favorite Eddie Paul Mary helped you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I play with Eddie one time. I wish I could say it was more. I, I'm jealous um, of you. I wish I got to play with him once. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. He was great. I mean, um, I didn't have too much contact with him, but I, you know, I played the music and, and, uh, I love that music and I would love the, uh, the three horn thing, the group he had with, um, with Conrad Herwig and Donald Harrison and Brian Lynch. That was always like, you know, that sort of, that was my like hook in was like Conrad Herwig. And then I started listening to some of his earlier stuff. And I was like, wow. Oh my God. You know, um, definitely Eddie Palmieri. And I think like Arturo for sure. Um, I always liked, I mean, I still like how Arturo is, you know, willing to push the boundaries, push the envelope and with his writing and, you know, his, his music always has a lot of purpose. Um, there's always a, there's a thought behind it, um, a story, you know, a connection with someone or something that happened. And, uh, and he, he writes, I, I think like really forward thinking Latin jazz, you know, it's very, um, but it stay, it has it has you know there's connections to the roots of it, but it definitely he's he's you know he's like his father. I feel like taking it to another another level. It's like very more more like um, he's not afraid to explore like the concert aspect of of Latin jazz and as opposed to just being dance music, you know, which is it still has those elements in there. So that's what I really enjoy about his his writing and his music and. Um, yeah, I always enjoyed getting a chance of working with him. Okay, so in your dream project, assuming that money wasn't an issue, what <laughs> style of music would you write? I'm just curious. Wow. wow. Um, that's tough. That's tough. I mean, I guess I'd say right now. <laughs> uh, it's funny you mention that because I I am working on a... Uh, a a suite of, of big band music that's um, based off of a like using 12 tone uh, melodic techniques and um, and and exploring using atonal and serial compositional techniques to uh, 
you know, create a, uh, an eight, seven or eight movement suite. It's kind of based off of one row or one that, that is basically like the theme, if you will. Um, and so I've, we've played a few, you know, played uh, several pieces of it, um, and it's unfinished and there's still that, some that need to be finished and that's hopefully some will, that'll be ready for the culture lab. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm, I'm looking, looking for support for that for sure. Cause I've been trying, <laughs> trying with several grants and swinging and missing. So, uh, you know, that's, it, it's funny you mentioned that cause I'm like, if, you know, if money was not an issue, then yeah, that would be the one. Because okay. you know, I haven't had gotten anyone to bite on it yet. No, but I feel It's going to happen anyway. It's going to, but from my, from what I've yeah. noticed from just the guests alone that came on the show, it's really hard uh-huh. to get a free jazz grant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I just haven't been able to crack the, the, crack the, the egg on that. I haven't been able to get in. I feel like once you get in, to one, from what I've seen, you know, I think when they see that you can do it or they, you know, one grant sees that, oh, they got this person got this grant and then it becomes, you know, can kind of get some momentum and people start to believe in what you're doing and get some more, maybe you get, you know, more opportunities. I don't know, but uh, I haven't been able to, to, to benefit from that yet. But uh, um, I, I've been taking the approach with that is like, uh, you know, I took for many years, I was like, I'm going to apply to everything and I'm going to get all these grants. It's going to be great. And then of course nothing happened. And I was just like, I'm like battling, batting, you know, 0. 0.000. Uh, and then I took a time off and I was like, you know, forget this. I'm just going to do my own stuff or whatever. And then now again, I'm kind of circled back to, I'm like, you know what? Like I can't, I can't win if I don't play, you know, like I have to play the game. If I, you know, like if, if it doesn't happen, I'm still going to go do this project. It's just not going to be in the time frame that I was hoping based on their support, you know? Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, it's been good. It's been good to get me like to solidify my thoughts and my focus and, you know, the budget and all these things and get thinking about all these things that they asked me to do. So trying to, trying to think of it as a positive and that, you know, if I get the support, great. Uh, that'd be excellent. But if I don't, I'm still going to go ahead and do this thing on my own. And it's going to take a little longer. Okay. Yeah. What don't you really like about the jazz scene, at least in New York? I understand well, the grant situation could be part sure. of it, even though that's more yeah. nationwide. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, geez, I guess what don't I like? I guess, um, I don't know. I mean, there's uh, things that are frustrating, but I don't know if I can say there's things, nothing that I like really dislike. I think if I if I did a lot, I would have left already after 15 years, 16 years. Um, you know, I guess it's frustrating sometimes to to get you know to try to get gigs. Of course, I mean, I think that's but that's just I don't know. I, I've kind of come to accept that that's just the lay of the land it's like i'm not the only one who's having a hard time trying to get a gig at x club you know or maybe i played at y club a thousand you know a thousand times but i can't get a call back and you know and you know i used to kind of like lose sleep about that and sometimes i still do but i i'm just trying to be realistic about it and just be like that's just what it is, you know, and that's, and I talk to other musicians who are dealing with the same thing. And I'm like, okay, like, it's not just me. You know, you always think like, oh, they're just singling. Maybe they just don't like my music or they don't like me or they're just, 
you know, I'm not hanging around the club enough. I mean, that's definitely something that comes into to being the getting gigs is like having to be around. And I, I totally understand that it's just become a lot harder for me with a two year old at home now. And, and of course, COVID like threw everything off. But um, I think that's the one thing that's a little tough is just like the being around. But I, that's also partly on me. Like I need to just I know that's part of it. And I need to just be there and, you know, um, and, you know, just keep doing what I'm doing. I guess uh, that's that's I'm trying to take that positive approach to it because it's it can be very frustrating if you get you start thinking about all the things that get you down about you know being in any scene not just new york you know it, you're just you're gonna be miserable <laughs> being a musician is so hard you know it's so yeah, hard I so I, I think you just gotta you gotta realize that everyone's in it together we're all in this together i mean that's i see other friends of mine musicians who are like way more accomplished than me and there's you know they're having a hard time with whatever and um and so that makes me feel like okay like it's not just me and that like it's just um that's just the the way it is i guess it's, you have to try to just keep going and keep doing your thing and and be be happy with your you know your creative output and let it speak for itself i mean that's just kind of all you can do and um but getting gigs can be frustrating you know and like, like the the scene's always changing, you know, like there's some clubs that like, yeah, that's you're playing it all the time. And then like, now I, you know, I can't get a whiff, you know, and then other clubs like call me out of nowhere. I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> so it, it's, just, I, I don't know. There's not a ton of rhyme or reason to it. I, I kind of come to realize, I mean, don't know that people are going out of their way to single people out or blow them off. I just think there's just too many, so many people inundating these club owners for gigs and it's just like i think it, they just get overwhelmed and there's you know it's hard for them to to decide i imagine there's so many so many musicians coming at them all the time and so many great musicians and you know and then there's like also some relationships and loyalty and all these things that go it just becomes a big thing so i just try not to get too caught up in it and um just do what i'm doing and let the chips fall where they may so someone breaking into the music scene right now, like they just graduated from Malloy. <laughs> I, sure. Okay. You teach at Berkeley still, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So they finished Berkeley. That's a great example. Okay. Oh, no, and, I've had students call me, have uh, had this conversation with students. The oh. question, what do I do? How do I break in? And right? what do you say to them? I mean, I tell them like, I mean, the things that I did. And um, I mean, one of them is like, you know, go get a gig somewhere like that's one thing i feel like a lot of students are are so eager to move to a big city and i think that's great and a lot of them are you know very well prepared but i also think that uh and this is how how i came up and so i just maybe that's just you know my bias but like i went out on the road i did a cruise ship gig you know former last year of college i learned a ton on that gig i mean it's that's a hard something to be What's that? That's a hard gig. It's a hard gig. Yes. <laughs> and you just, you know what? You just like, you gotta like, you gotta see that other side of the music business, like the, the, the business side of it, you know, not, you're not going to be playing at smalls and playing amazing jazz all the time. No, you're probably going to do that. Like maybe 15% of the time, you know, <laughs> a lot of other times you're going to be playing music to make money. And that's all you got to go see what that, that side of the music business is. And so like, 
going to a cruise ship is, is a, or like some sort of road tour, I always think is like a great thing to do for students who just get out of college and, and you have no ties to anywhere. You're going to go out on the road. You're going to meet all these players from all over and that's your, your network. And you also have your network of students from college, you know, like you go to Berkeley, you go to, you know, it's Indiana university. Like there's so many alumni and that's like part of what you pay for when you go to these schools is that network of, of other musicians and alumni. And so like getting in touch with those, those people, wherever you go, um, and like just going and listening to them play and introducing yourself. And, you know, I also tell students like, go get a lesson with, you know, these 10 people on your instrument, you know, like go, go, get a lesson you're going to have to pay for it. But like, it's kind of sort of an informal audition in, in some senses, you know, and you're going to learn a lot, you know, along the way. Um, and, you know, so you, you get these people that hear you play and you kind of find out like where they're playing and you just go check them out. And you, and you try to meet people, you go to jam sessions, uh, you know, I tell people to just like swing by the union. Now it's not as easy to yeah, do, but the musicians using used to be like, just walk in and like Bob Cranshaw's there and you're like, whoa, and Harold Maber, <laughs> you know, and there's always people rehearsing and always bands like, oh man, I need a player. Like, oh, this guy bailed, like, you know, can you come over here. You know, <laughs> do you play trombone? Get in here, you know? And so it's just about being in the, in the right place at the right time and being around, you know? Um, but I definitely think like hooking up with people on your instrument that you, that are in your town, like established players and getting lessons with them is a great way to, to just like break the ice. Uh, they get to hear you play. You get to learn something from them, you know, and maybe it amounts to nothing, but you don't never know. It might in a couple, you know, six months later, they are in a really big pinch and they call you for a gig to sub on something, you know, and like, boom, there you go. So, um, but I do think getting on the road and, uh, whether it's a cruise ship or something like that is, 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 is vital. Cause you need to go out and I know I needed to go out and like play a lot and also kind of just like fall on my face, <laughs> which I did a lot, you know, like you, you need to go out and, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you've got to go and play like, uh, in situations where, you know, like you might, it might not go great, but you're, it's part of the, you know, like, like, for example, I went out and I played, uh, what was that? I'm getting sentimental over you. Like the Tommy Dorsey, you know, goes up to the high C sharp and I'll like practice it all day. And I totally burned myself out and I totally crashed and burned so hard on the gig. You know, the opening phrase was, it was awful. Um, but like, I never saw any of those people ever again. Like I kept in like the, the audience, I'll never see those people ever again on a cruise ship. Like they'll never see me again. They'll never, they don't know who I am, you know? And the, the other musicians in the band, like, you know, I kept in touch with a handful of them, but most of them I haven't heard from, and you know, that's fine. Um, but so, you, you know, you need to have a place where you can go out and like cut your teeth and like fail and pick yourself back up and do it again better the next time, which I did, you know, and you know, that, that's something that that's, you can't really do that in a, I mean, you can do it in a big city, but it's not going to like be a great, not going to, do you many favors if you do that, you know, <laughs> just put it that way. That's why you go somewhere else and do I that understand. stuff. That's what I'm yeah. laughing at. <laughs> yeah. So it's important to have a place to do that, you know, and, you know, you don't want that place to be, you know, at the Village Vanguard or Smalls or something like that, you know, it's like, yeah. And you became known as that guy, you know. I suggest or, people like, become one of the best guys in your town before you come to one of the big cities. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> At least you have yeah. a fan base or you're known over there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's like great musicians everywhere. Where Where are you from? Originally? I'm from here also, but... Oh, you are here, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like I mean, I, you know, there was uh, I went to college at Indiana, and there was like great musicians in Indianapolis. You know, like fantastic musicians there. You know, um, and there's great musicians in Chicago. There's great musicians in every you know city, like large or medium or small. It's just not there's just not as many of them. Like the the list is like shorter. So, I mean, if we were about know. to just list drummers that are in New York City, and I just say ones that live in Brooklyn. There's probably like 20 that come to my head. I mean, my mind right there. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. what I'm saying you're competing for. Yeah, you're competing with all those players, you know, and, and you know, it's, uh, I mean, the same, there are trombones, like oh, a yeah. million trombone players, great trombone players, and, and writers, composers. I mean, but yeah, it's, it's, there's so many of them. And yeah, you're, you're totally right. You should, like, that's what I did. I stayed in Chicago for five years and I, like I will, I'm not the best player in town by any means, but I learned a lot and I grew a lot. And then I saw like, Oh, if I stay here too much longer, I don't think I'm going to continue growing. So I need to get out of here. And the part of it was like being at home was like, I got to get out of here. Like, <laughs> you know, just, you know, I don't know. just sort of that thing. I was like, okay, I've been here for five years. It's, it's time. Um, and and so, yeah, I think that's a great advice. Yeah, be the best player in your town, then move to a big city and, and, and just a, use every connection you have. I think that's the thing. Is like any connection you have is a, is through six degrees of separation. You can meet anybody. You know, the music world is so small. So that's why I tell students like you pay for this network of faculty and alumni and current students at Berkeley or wherever you went and like so take advantage of that like you need to just like put out feelers constantly and see what people are up to and you know you'll come back around and work with these people for the rest of your career wow where do you think jazz would be in 10 years <laughs> you can be honest be brutally honest as much as you want I don't know god I have no idea I mean I think it'll be here. I mean, I don't think it's going anywhere. I mean, I, I don't, I think it's, uh, it's definitely, I mean, I don't know. I think it's hit a, a point where with the, the, like, I felt like the number of schools blew up for a while. And so there were all these young players coming out. And then I feel like the, the demand for degrees and stuff has changed and stuff. And then also like, maybe some of the schools have kind of come back down. I'm definitely after COVID. I feel like everyone's school numbers are like dove down. So, you know, I think, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be around like musically where it's going to be. Uh, that's hard to say. I mean, you know, like, I can't tell you like what's going to happen. I, I think people are just going to continue um, like writing their own music and exploring and collaborating and, um, you know, I think, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a tough question. <laughs> I wish I could, if I knew the answer, I would, I would you know, okay. share. This is something but I always wish to know. Me? Yeah. It'll get you smaller know, and smaller and smaller. You think so? Yeah, unfortunately. Like smaller, what's like the, the, the pool of musicians and no, listeners? No, the pool will probably get bigger, but the people willing to pay to listen. Yeah. Hold on a second. Yes. Sorry, Alexa, trying to hijack my her interview here. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I guess 
that's the one thing I, I think of like the um even though like a lot of people might go to to maybe not even go to music school in college but they'll play in high school or um or middle school those people are still uh like viable listeners you know even if they don't continue playing so i feel like i'm hoping that 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 um pool of people that end up that play music whatever music it is um or if they play in a jazz band in high school or whatever that they they're still listening well past you know the time that they've you know put the horn away and never touched it for forever you know like that's that's why i think like there's a there's a possibility that the people will continue listening at the same rate just because of that like being in a jazz band and enjoying it and listening to the music and um and having a little inside look into it after, after being a performer you know or maybe up to a certain point of you know high school or, or part way through college or whatnot um so i think it's gonna i think it's gonna that will be the thing i'll sustain it i guess that's what i'm hoping well, what do you think? The thing that will, why I believe it'll get smaller and smaller. Because mm-hmm. unless you're like a big name act and you have like a huge label behind you, just promoting your stuff is harder than ever before. Yeah. So the exposure is. is part of the issue. And then, like you said, if you're following jazz and you're really into it and you're a high school person, I guess who played in a big band, you're willing mm-hmm. to open a streaming app and listen to because pretty much everything's streamed now. Yeah. You're willing to listen to upcoming music and everything. Right. But if you're not exposed to it, which a good amount of people aren't, because lack of funding in music programs throughout the nation, right? I don't know if they're going to be willing to reach out. So maybe there'll be a movie out there in the future where it's a mm-hmm. fully jazz track that people love and they're willing to go listen to more. Yeah, or yeah. something like that just breaks free. Yeah. But I... Don't know. Hmm. Yeah, that was a good point. I, I hope that happened. I mean, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, yes, it's definitely harder to pro- promote yourself than ever before, and it's like you know, nearly impossible to make music, make money playing jazz or like making recordings. You know, um, but I don't know. Like, it hasn't stopped people. I mean, maybe I'm one of those crazy people who's yeah. just like I don't think you're crazy. You always need people willing to do it because there's always somebody right. that succeeds. So I'm not going to be yeah. that person to say negative stuff. Like right. That. And I'm not saying like that I'm, I'm succeeding. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think I do it um, for the process and the satisfaction. And then also for myself, really, it's just really for me, you know, that sounds kind of weird to do that and and spend all this money to do that but it's it it really at the end of the day that's how you kind of have to look at it it's like i'm i'm not gonna make a ton of money on this you know i'm not gonna get famous um you know but uh, you know when i listen back to and i i feel proud of the music and what's how the how it turned out and how everyone played and then the experience of having having that experience with those musicians captured and documented there's there's a lot to be said for that and i think that's like uh, a great thing to do and it, it, it people are going to keep doing it for that reason i feel like because there's there's just something to it that is like kind of addictive you're like oh that was so great you know i want to do that again and have this experience captured with these guys playing this music or you know uh, in this place or and and you know there's just I don't know. There's just something to it. Like people keep doing it. Like I, I know it's so hard to make money, but 
people are just doing it anyway. Like, um, and I think people will, will continue to do that for that reason, just for themselves, you know? I mean, the way you spoke about it passionately early in the interview is proof mm-hmm. of reason why people will keep doing it. So <laughs> right. I have no problem with what you're saying. And I actually agree with Thanks. it. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. I think you have to, you know, like you just can't, you can't go into a, a making an album with the idea of like making a lot of in jazz, making a lot of money or gaining fame. Like that's, I think if you're doing it for those reasons, that's really, who would you say is the biggest jazz star right now? Whoever you would want to say, uh, even if you want to say Esperanza or Chris Potter or any of them, I'm pretty sure they could walk on seventh Avenue and no one would really recognize them. Right. No, (laughs) exactly. No one would know, you know, even if they had their horn in their hand or whatever, people would be like, is this <laughs> playing out of subway? People would be like, oh, he's pretty good. Well, he's pretty good. He's like, a really? dollar. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know. But those people like, yeah, I mean, there's those, I think they're definitely a way another level for sure. But like, yeah, I think they're also like, they started out doing it for the same reasons. I think, you know, like this for themselves, you know, the satisfaction of like documenting the music and, and having a, a physical thing that you can share with people and people can listen to and enjoy and, um, you know, if just for their own satisfaction that, you know, and of course they've, you know, found some, another gear <laughs> that allowed them to do all these other things, which is great. You know, it's, and we need people like that to, to like expose jazz and, and, and for people to, I mean, a lot of people who don't know jazz a fair amount of them know of Esperanza Spalding, I feel like, you know, because she has some crossover things. Yeah, some crossovers, and, and she did win she's the young Grammy. And, yeah, so that helped. Yeah, a lot. and she's playing like Obama's like parties and stuff. Like, so that yeah. was a bad so, example I mean, on my part. You're right. Okay. No, I but, said. I, no but I think like, <laughs> but I think it's like she's a great example of someone that is like paving the way for other people to hopefully have success, you know, just like again, like I just try to think of it like we're all in this together. Like, you know, it's not about my gig or your gig or your, you know, it's like as for jazz musicians and it's so hard enough, it's hard enough as it is that like, we have to like stick together, you know, and row together. We're not like trying to throw people out of the boat. Like <laughs> we got to make it happen together. You know, and you're part of it too, with the podcasts and all the stuff that you're doing. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a machine, you know, like we have to all sort of help each other out. So, um, you know, that's, that's definitely something I noticed in New York is like, people are way nicer than you imagine musician wise. And just because, you know, we have to work together and it's so hard to, to, to get gigs and to, to, to make things happen that it's, you know, everyone can play. So that's, that part is like kind of been removed from the equation. Yes. You know, now it's like, are you easy to work with? Are you professional in those things? And that's a whole different you know, topic. That's yeah. a whole nother, like some <laughs> people can't do that, you know? So, you know, that's just uh, another way to kind of like whittle it down. <laughs> All right, then. Well, sir, please tell everyone how yes. to find you, contact you, your album, your websites, any upcoming yeah. stuff you wish to tell. Sure, yeah, definitely. Um, you can go to my website, johnyao.com. Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Um, and I have a YouTube channel. Um, and I have some educate jazz educational stuff on my YouTube channel as well, as well as like live performances of, of, uh, big band and, and small group. And, uh, yeah, like I said, we're going to be at, at Birdland on August 14th and back at the culture lab on September 8th. 
with both with uh, John Yao and a 17 piece instrument. And um, I hope you can join us for, for one of both those shows. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. It means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, Leander, appreciate it very much. And everyone, this is Leander from Improv Exchange. Thank you. Have a good one. That's that on jazz. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Improv Exchange. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, please be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Improv Exchange. <laughs>